everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road Podcast. This week, we welcome on Jeff Lavecchio from the Hockey Think Tank Podcast, as well as Train Heroic, a training app that you guys can download and check out. It's got some great stuff on there. Um, but today, we, we talked to Jeff about strength and conditioning, uh, specifically about kind of just the variety that we can add to our athletes and what that actually means and, uh, and kind of some misconceptions around that. Um, but then also, we we dive in into kind of a, the training environment that he wants to create in his gym and how he works with his athletes, how he gives feedback um, and how he, how he develops kind of overall athletes rather than just um, uh, hockey players and how that, how that helps and how he found that to be um, important. And then we also kind of talk about life skills and how we can use that and, and teach that through, through the gym and, and how, um, how to become elite and then what that takes. So, it was a lot of fun to talk to Jeff. Uh, he's got some great insights in the field, and he's got a, a great voice and great stories um, from his time with the Hockey Think Tank. So, yeah, a lot of fun with this episode, and thanks to Jeff one more time for, for joining us. Yes, and we also talked with Jeff today about what is actually the difference between an elite athlete and someone who is just a regular athlete or someone who just plays hockey or another sport uh, for fun and for enjoyment. And I think um, the distinctions he makes just shows quite clearly what the difference is what the difference is and what needs to be done in order to be an athlete athlete and an elite athlete on a consistent base and i really need to say that i really like jeff's approach because i think he is very innovative and he really thinks outside the box and it also shows it is also showing in our conversation and i also need to say that all the things he's talking about in the hockey thing tank um, i've been listening to confirms this as well and also just need to say that during the conversation after the conversation when we spoke with him i felt really really motivated about uh the things i am doing and the things we are doing and he is he's just someone uh he's such a big energy giver and i think we have been talking about this also a little bit and i'll show the difference between an energy giver and an energy vampire and i think he provides people with a lot of energy He's very passionate and um, he really just likes to help and he really likes to develop people, athletes and good good hockey players. And um, without further ado, I think now it's time to kick over the to Jeff Lovecchio and we hope that everyone will enjoy the episode as much as we did. So today we would like to welcome on Jeff Lovecchio from the the other host from the Hockey Think Tank podcast. So Jeff, first of all, thanks for taking the time and joining our show. And I need to say that I'm actually really enjoying listening the episodes from you and Tofa. And I know that you have always some great stories to tell and from your playing or from your coaching time. So before we move into the conversation, we just wanted to ask you like basically what, are, what is one of the most funny stories you came across when you were playing or when maybe when you were coaching one, one of these, these two things? Yeah, I, thanks, know you, I, I, I know you love telling stories, so that's why. We <laughs> I do. I do. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, man, that's a hard one to hit me out of the gate right away. But like, honestly, this one isn't like that cool because... Uh, Cause I was way younger when it happened. I was like an amateur hockey, but one time I, I got a breakaway. My pants fell down is when like, they just started. I just switched from suspenders to like a belt, a hockey belt is when they first kind of came out. I was a little kid. I was probably in like fourth grade 
And I got a breakaway and my pants fell down mid breakaway. The guy behind me caught me and I tripped over my pants and fell. Didn't even get a shot off. I always think that that's pretty ridiculous that that happened to me. Yeah. I remember um, one time I was, I was, I grew up playing defense and I think a similar thing um, embarrassment level happened to me. I was going on a, I somehow got a breakaway and, and everyone was yelling at me what to do. And I took a slap shot from outside the blue line. So um, that was a, that was the extent of my offensive capabilities. But um, so diving into it a little bit, um, can you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you're currently doing now with the podcast and, and your gym? Yeah, uh, I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, I was actually born in Chicago, but I grew up in St. Louis. Moved to, my parents moved here when I was four years old. I uh, started playing AAA hockey when I was in seventh grade. Uh, I moved to Chicago and lived with my aunt and uncle my sophomore year of high school. I played midget major there for the Chicago Chill. Then I played three years of junior hockey in the USHL starting my junior year in high school, uh, playing for the Omaha Lancers. Uh, and then I accepted a scholarship to Western Michigan University, which was in the CCHA, which was like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, schools like that. And Western, uh, and I was the captain as a sophomore there, and as a junior, uh, I signed with the Boston Bruins after my junior year. Uh, went and played for their farm team. Fortunately, had a really bad concussion, missed my whole first year pro, uh, but I got to play nine more years after that. Uh, traded traded to the Panthers for a little bit, played for their farm team over the course of two years, and then I played uh, six years in all over Europe and Japan. Yeah, I mean, you played at some really cool places. I mean, Japan, I always, I still have to, well, I still have it in my mind maybe to go there for a visit for one day because it must be really, really lovely country. And I, I well, well, I know from, from, from your show that actually, for example, among others um, in your playing time that you have been playing together with, with Paul Stasny. And just for curiosity reasons, are you, have, have you, with how many players who are actively still playing in the NHL have been retired? You have been playing together or who? Who are well, the other players you played together? Well, so some I mean, of them. Yeah, there, there's quite a few. I mean, I was line mates with uh, Brad Marchand in the American really? for a bit. Yeah, yeah, we were lineies. I was his line mate, I guess. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up playing with Staz. Uh, I trained Staz from the time COVID happened until the start of this second season that just happened here. So I trained Paul Stasny all online with my online training app, Train Heroic, that I use. Um who else? Like I played with Adam McQuaid, Tuka Rask, uh, trying to think, There's, you know, uh, Jacob Markstrom. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. There's quite a few guys over the, the three years, four years I was in the AHL that uh, three years that, that I got guys to play if they're still in the NHL. So then how did you kind of take that um, background in playing and playing at a fairly high level and, and transition into what you're doing now with the strength and conditioning and, and, and training these, you know, high level athletes, how did you get into that and how did that get started? Uh, for me, I was always known as the most in shape guy everywhere I went. I won testing with the Bruins in, in NHL camp. I won testing at Cap, uh, Washington Capitals development NHL camp one summer. Uh, I won testing in college and juniors everywhere I went. Like I wasn't, good because I had like as much natural ability as like Staz or Marshy or any of those guys. It wasn't even close. So for me, how could I close the gap? How could I keep jumping up levels? It was do everything I could 
both physically and mentally um, to, to succeed at the level I was at and to make the jump to the next level. Um, and so a big part of that was training, especially back, you know, 20 years ago, which sounds hilarious, but yeah, I was 15 when I started training 16. So it was 20 years ago. Like a lot of guys didn't take, take off ice training seriously. And I saw that as my opportunity where I could make a jump on a lot of guys who were skipping the gym or not giving their all or not doing the right type of training, like training, like meatheads. Um, and, and so that was massive for me. And, and I, you know, got a reputation as, as being like that type of player, that type of person, uh, hard worker in the gym and all that stuff. And, uh, I started my, after I got my concussions and I realized that, you know, I wasn't going to play in the NHL. Um, and I decided to go over to Europe. I started my training company after my third year pro. And, uh, uh, I started with two clients, you know, in, in St. Louis in my hometown in the off season. And that grew to 10 the next summer to 30, the next summer to hundred, the next summer to 300, the fifth summer I worked with, I think it was, uh, just in the off season. And by my 10th year pro, uh, it came to a point where it's like, okay, I'm making good money still playing hockey, but, uh, I've had, you know, 14 concussions, whatever I had at that time. And I was like, I can, I can save my brain hopefully and uh, and just start doing this now and help the next generation. And so I decided to retire after my 10th year and, and pursue that full time. Okay. So now that you've kind of established in this kind of strength and conditioning field and everything like that, you've, you've got it rolling. Um, this actually kind of why we wanted to have you on. Uh, we wanted to talk about this idea of just kind of adding variability into our strength training. So creating um, just a environment where our athletes have a variety of ways to train and, and doing it correctly and everything like that. So why is training uh, in a variety of ways important for a hockey player? Um, I, I truly subscribe and believe and have seen it work with hundreds of athletes I've worked with. And personally with myself, this made a massive difference in my career. And I started scoring way more goals when I started to think of the gym uh, how can I use the gym to make me a better hockey player? Not just a, a stronger hockey player, not just a, a little bit more mobility, not just a little bit more flexible, like not that, like use the gym to make me better on the ice, do things I'm specifically going to do in the gym that will specifically translate to the ice. And that's hard. And a lot of people I think have the wrong idea what that means. They think, well, a skating stride looks like this. So I need to mimic that and just add weights to it in the gym. And that's not necessarily what that means. It's not what that means at all. Um, for me, I try to train people to become a better athlete. So if I could, instead of me just you know, saying, okay, I just need you to get stronger because you're super weak. Well, okay. Like just getting stronger to get strong doesn't really translate to hockey. I was the strongest everywhere I went and it didn't make me a better hockey player than Brad Marchand or than Nicholas Backstrom, or than all these guys, you know, I was in camps with, and, and that kind of changed my mindset about the whole thing. And when I started training a little bit differently, um, I, I reaped the benefits, my clients reaped the benefits, started to see things differently. So um, that the wording of that question is a little bit hard because variability, what I think some young strength coaches, personal trainers, they think I need to be changing things up all the time. And I actually think a lot of people change things up too much. Um, and so I think that there's so many ins and outs to strength training and to training athletes and, and to getting people to their peak performance. Um, but, you know, I think that people need to think outside the box. And I know especially 
uh, in Europe. Uh, I feel, you know, I played over there for six years. I feel like they're quite a bit behind in the way they train like CrossFit's big now. And a lot of, a lot of Sweden, they love CrossFit Germany. They love like, that's not for hockey players. That's not for athletes. There there's no purpose behind it. And they especially should not be doing that in season. One of my clients played in the SHL when they were doing CrossFit in the middle of the season, January, February, they're doing CrossFit. He's like, dude, I'm roasted. My hips are hurting. My back is hurting. We're doing things for time. Like, and, and I'm like, well, you know, you got to do what the team wants you to do, but if there's any way you cannot do that, don't do it. Like he was smoked. He was so tired. You know, like you need to train with a purpose. You need to know your why for training on that day, that week, that month, that time of the year. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of things that go into it, but, um, exercise selection and rest times and how to utilize those, I think is a big part of it. So yeah, I you know actually you just mentioned here what, what I actually think a lot. And I think that's actually quite important. And we talk also quite much about this here in our university. I've been talking about it. Actually, the goal, what we try to achieve here with, with developing our players is that we want to help them to develop overall athleticism. So actually the training we do transfer on the ice. So my, my question for you is here actually that what, what kind of training methods should we use for hockey players to really help them to develop these features? I mean, I'll start out by saying I truly don't believe there's only one way to do things. Um, you can get results doing Poliquin style training. You can get results from doing Mike Boyle type, type training. You can get results from doing this type or that type. Or the, so like if you have a good trainer and they're there helping you get the most out of your body and using your movements efficiently, effectively, all those things, you're going to get results. Now, something that I truly believe in unilateral training for the most part is the best type of training for any athlete. Uh, I personally always, always did not understand why we were barbell back squatting, uh, you know, as much as you can loading the spine, a, you don't do that in hockey life or any other sport. Like you're never walking around loading your spine and doing things. So like for me, like, okay, yeah, that develops leg strength, leg power, but it's bilateral when you walk, run, skate, shoot, hit, Pet throw is unilateral. It's one leg to the next. You're not stand unless you're a, a lineman in football. I really don't think that barbell back squatting need, should be the, the, the number one thing you focus on, which when I was younger, 15 years ago, that was the big thing. How much do you squat? What's he squat? Get in the squat rack. And you don't need to do that. It's not good for your spine for 99.99% of people. And like I said, I trained, worked out with, trained people who could squat a house but couldn't play hockey well. It doesn't translate very well. Uh, I, I, like I said, I believe more in bilateral lifts uh, uh, or, or uh, unilateral lifts, sorry, so single limb at a time. There's tons of different ways to do that. And that doesn't mean we don't bilateral lift. We do. But if I had to say over the course of a calendar year, how much am I focusing on unilateral with current hockey players versus bilateral? I'd probably say like 60, 65% of the time we're focusing way more on unilateral type of training. And that could be contralateral, ipsilateral. Um, you know, there's different ways to do it. And depending on the time of the year would depend on when I would, when I would use it, what phase we're in, you know, what is it beginning of off season, middle of off season, end of off season, what time of the season. So all those go into what type of lifts you're going to do. In season, I like to do way more bilateral because it has less of a cost on the central nervous system and your, your just overall uh, energy. Um, all of it 
uh, lifting bilaterally just doesn't make the boys as tired. So in season, I'll have them do more bilateral, um, but I still won't have them back squat. I'll have them trap bar deadlift. I'll have them dumbbell sumo squat. Uh, you know, I just got a new squat machine. That's a belt squat, something like that for their legs. Um, we, I don't even have squat racks in my gym. I wish I had squat racks in my gym, but not for back squatting. Uh, I would use them for other things. Um, but I just, I never, ever back squat. I just, I would love to keep saying that because it's a major point for me. And in Europe, they absolutely love the back squat and they wonder why their guys backs hurt all the time. And guys are walking around with heat packs before games and practices because their backs are smoked. We're not supposed to load our spine like that, but anyways. Well, I, I think it's a, a good point there and I'm, I'm glad you bring it up because I think when you think about, um, kind of beginner level strength coaches or maybe, uh, like volunteer ice hockey coaches that are having to run their, their strength and conditioning program for their, you know, for their under 15 or under 13 or whatever team, you know, they, they typically do what's seen the most on, you know, Instagram or whatever. And that's typically how much um, athletes can back squat, right. Especially if you think about um, kind of strength and conditioning Instagram, at least that I'm saying. So um, I, I think it's important to note that, and, and I'm kind of curious because it, it's always interesting to, to have these conversations because um, Rick is, is someone that wants to go and, and work at the professional level one day. And I'm someone that wants to stick with, with youth hockey um, and, and youth athletes. So does this sort of, um, can you kind of walk us through the, the differences between kind of training in the gym for, for young kids? And I'm not sure about your, your, your range of clients. Obviously you work with some elite athletes, but, can you kind of work us through the, the differences that you would um, see in the kids and their training versus kind of the, the elite athletes that you work with as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll even start off by saying I've heard people now that are more and more, at least the old school, all younger coaches, I believe, and people who played the sport recently, um, all of them are more into unilateral, more into like a rear foot elevated split squat, uh, a skater lunge, uh, uh, um, elevated, you know, slide board reverse lunge over a back squat. The studies have shown that it, it's harder for you, works your legs better, works balance, works, works proprioception, works so many, your core harder, all these reasons, right? So all the people who um, are younger, I feel like, or forward-minded thinking they're thinking about that. Um, and in the old school, it used to be like, well, you need to back squat first, get strong, then move to unilateral. And it's like, well, why, if it doesn't translate, why would I waste my time? And if unilateral is harder, it makes you stronger and works on other things first. Why wouldn't I just keep do it, do that first and keep doing that and get better and find ways to progress it. But as far as your, your second question with the younger kids, number one, all about fun. Like first things first, if you're not uh, setting up an environment that is fun, they want to be there you're going to grow kids that hate training and then they're going to be grow up into adults that hate training. They're never going to want to train because they started off with, you know, a bad taste in their mouth. But if you make, you know, they're excited to come in, you have challenges in there, you have games going on games that you create with the purpose, just like you would with a practice on the ice, you create a drill because you want to work on a specific skill. When I'm training younger players, well, I don't really, I don't train younger players anymore, but I, when I started out, I had to, I didn't just work my way up to NHL players out of nowhere. I started out training super young kids. It's got to be fun. Tag. Tag is an unbelievable, like uh, I call it reactionary agility, even though I think it should just be called agility, but I think that that helps people understand the difference. There is cone agility, which takes 
no variability. That's not a real sport, which is good for young kids that then they kind of learn how to move and cut and things like that. But the sooner you can progress them to reactionary agility or just true agility, where, you know, if they were playing tag, they're reading, reacting their external stimulus, their external environment. They see a kid running at them. They've got to move a head fake. They got to spin. They got to do this. If you're running at a cone and you say, all right, run up to that cone, turn right, go to the next cone, turn left, spin. They're not, they're not thinking. They're just a robot doing in a pattern, right? And so the more that you can create games um, for young kids, the more fun they have. They're working on things that they don't even know that they're getting good at. You know, like I said, tag, agility, speed, power, uh, playing with their head up. Like right there, there's so many things that are great about tag. Um, so I want to be working on all of the basic fundamentals that I want for them to be good at as a human being and as an athlete and a future client of mine, if they continue to climb the hockey ranks. So for me, that's, um, first of all, it's like, you know, balance, proprioception, athleticism, coordination with their body and their movements, efficiency of their movement, but also coordination, hand, eye, foot, eye, body awareness, awareness in the room, um, and then strength, core strength, mobility, stability, um, you know, but I think those other ones are more important first because I've seen so many over the course of my career in training and professional athlete. Um, you know, I've been training from like about 15 years old and I'm 35 now. So for 20 years, I've seen a lot of guys get strong and then try and get athletic. I don't know what. I know very few people who it's worked well for. Maybe they get a little more athletic, but if you work on athleticism first and build strength on top of that, or your, at least your primary goal is athleticism and your, your one B or secondary goal is strength. You make a better athlete, not just someone good in the gym. And I know that from experience. Cause when I started the first six, seven years from 15 to 21, 22, it was, I'm getting good in the gym. And I didn't think I was just like doing what they told me back squat and do this, do that barbell bed. I got really good at it, but then I get on the ice and yes, I was stronger. I was more powerful, but at the highest level, the NHL, the AHL, my athleticism was not where it should have been. And if I would have been working on my athleticism, the way that I do with my guys now, as well as strength, I would have been a way better pro hockey player. Well, that's definitely a very thought provoking point you uh thought-provoking point you make here because especially when we talk about designing the practice for the kids, uh, making it fun and engaging, I think that's uh, we recently we talked to the to Jack Jensen, the strength and conditioning coach for the Ice band Berlin and he actually, your answer totally aligns with his answer because we asked him, so basically we spoke with him more or less about long-term athlete development and testing and sport and we also We also slided a bit that topic in there and um, actually really how to start all these things, that long-term athlete development process. And he also mentioned definitely that the first thing what you actually should have do is with the kids that it should be engaging. It should be fun. You should have different obstacle courses. And there's so much, so much research also out there that this is actually the way how you should start. If you should start. And also if we look at the, we, we spoke with one of our instructors here from the university about the uh, youth, physical development model um, and uh, it, it pinpoints the same attention to the same thing. So I think it's, it's, it's just very crucial because at the same time, as you mentioned also by yourself, you said, you said you started playing hockey when you were five. Or... Uh, I was two when I started skating yeah, through started, hockey. Yeah. And you started two and you had such, then, then we see and how much time it actually, 
how long you're going to practice you you practice like what 20 20 20 years on a like demanding level <laughs> and really practicing 20 years on a demanding level i can imagine that even for me i played 13 years there were days where i like oh my god <laughs> today i'm yeah. feeling really 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 messed messed and i don't i don't have any energy and any motivation but then if you know that there's that enjoyment piece that fun piece i think it totally turns your head around and i also wanted to ask you especially now when we speak about these things that especially when let's say now 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 the athletes they started to train and they have they have gotten a bit experience it's not the first time let's say that now they are at the a little bit older level where where it's really starting to where the hockey starts to get a bit more competitive that from from which perspective do you approach the strength on conditioning training there also in terms of the of the methods you mentioned there there are million methods but How do you how do you train your athletes there, and what what's about the fun part there? How do you include there these things like what you mentioned, all these all these unilateral movements, then um, body perception, um, all all these kind of things, coordination, and all all these other things as well. Are you talking about with older guys? Yeah, older guys. When when once yeah. they once they get a bit older. I mean, it's it's literally like it it's the same thing. People want to complicate off ice training i'm talking about for hockey i mean i think it's all training but people want to complicate it you can do all the testing in the world and yes testing is valuable it has it has value but at the same time like like how much time do you spend on it because like if you spend 10 days in a three month off season testing like i'm like man like I, can you test if guys are getting better on the ice, you can test that they're getting stronger, but it's like I said before, and this is a hard thing. I think a lot of people are that some people have a hard time wrapping their head around that maybe didn't play the game, especially at the higher levels. Like, yes, you can make someone faster. Yes. You can make some more powerful and you can measure that, but does that translate to a better hockey player in some people? Yes. because that's the, the piece they're missing. But if that's all you're focusing on, I truly think you're missing the boat and you're not doing everything you can to make that person a better hockey player. So there's a lot of things that we do in the gym that you you can't really test. And uh, so like basically for me, a, a day, a, a sample day. And again, it depends on the phase, depends on the month of summer, depends on when they have to peak. Is it two months away, three months away, four months away, whatever. Um, come in the gym. I have, them, I have them roll, you know, they're hanging out with the boys, they're talking, they're talking stories, we're having fun, have them roll, myofascial release, feet, the whole body, whatever. Um, we'll do activation. After that, uh, we'll do five minutes of hand-eye coordination. And I might have a game set up for that day. It might be wall ball. And it's a bunch of pro hockey players playing wall ball. And guess what? They're athletes. So I make them use both hands, not just one hand. They can't only use your dominant hand. They got to use your dom their non-dominant. And then you see who the real athletes are when it's out here and it's your non-dominant side. Can you use your body in the same way that you could on this side? You know, some days it'll be throwing footballs, both dominant and non-dominant hands. And I don't really care what the throw looks like. I care about the body mechanics looking equal and even as, and as comfortable on both sides might be dribbling a soccer ball around the gym with both feet, not just your dominant foot, both feet, keeping your head up, um, might be a knockout basketball game or using body positioning while dribbling. We'll play one with your dominant hand, one with your non-dominant hand, one where you have to dribble back and forth, both hands, just tons of different games like that. Constantly trying to think outside the box for multiple reasons. One, um, 
coordination is coordination. Like the more you can work on your coordinated movements in the gym, that directly translates to the ice. I know that for a fact with my own career. Uh, and I, and every year, year after year, guys like, Oh, I had seven tips this year in front of the net. Unbelievable. I never had them before. Oh, I had five tips this year in front of the net. There was one year where I really focused on my hand-eye coordination, where I led the Austrian league in scoring through the first 25 games, 23 games. I had 21 goals. I think, uh, out of those 21 goals in those 23 games, I think like 16 of them were one foot out from the net. Mostly me tipping it in or tip, rebound, spin, find the puck. It was literally because I was just doing so much hand-eye coordination in the gym that year. I had so much confidence. Anything that came near me, I was knocking down. It was crazy. And all the guys say year after year, that's a big thing they take out of the gym. But after the hand-eye coordination, we'll do some prehab. Rehab is what you do when you're injured. Prehab is what you do to hopefully not get injured, mitigate the severity of injuries, things like that. That is a massive focus that the general population needs to focus on because they don't do it at all. Um, but it's very important for athletes. You know, if you don't play, you can't get scouted. You don't play, you can't get paid if you're a pro, right? So being healthy is the number one thing that the number one reason you train is to be healthy. Then it's to increase performance. Um, and then we'll usually go into uh, explosive movements, dynamic movements. If there's some kind of sprinting on that day, which is usually earlier in the week, we'll do that. Then we get into the strength component. And in between sets, they'll be doing hand-eye. I say, you know, I, depending on the time of the season, we have a set amount of rest time um, to achieve the goals we want for that phase. And say, oh, hey, you got 75 seconds, do something hand-eye. Maybe the next set will go, you got 75 seconds, something mobility. Get into your T-spine, get into your hips, get into this, get into your ankles, whatever it is. So they're not being tired in between sets. Um, but they're getting better and using that rest time to their advantage to where a lot of people don't do that. And if I take my athlete who's doing hand-eye mobility between every set almost for the entire summer versus somebody who's doing the exact same workouts, but doesn't do those things over the course of every day, every exercise, every week, every month, over the course of every year, how much more practice is that person getting? And they're not doing anything that's making them more tired. So kind of using your gym time, um, to dial it in and, and get more out of your gym time, I think is extremely important. And then if it's not a sprint day, we'll finish with some kind of cardio, um, at the end. Again, it also depends on time of the year. Cardio might be built in, you know, it depends on the phase. Um, and then we always finish with diaphragmatic breathing and meditation, uh, turn the lights off. I want them to get out of their sympathetic nervous system and immediately into their parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. The sooner you do that, the more you recover, the better you recover. Um, and it's also just good for them to learn that because outside of the gym, they're going to get stressed in life. And if they go back to their breathing techniques, you immediately calm down. It's free. It doesn't take pills, you know, so that's massively important part of my training too. Well, you just mentioned so many things. Um, I'm, I all really right. wanted to move. No, no, I really like the things you just mentioned because these are all the things I, um, I actually wanted to touch on also. And um, especially what you just mentioned that, between the sets that going to the gym, not just to lift the weights, of course, it's fun to lift weights. And of course it's important, but really between the sets that doing something else. And it also makes me thinking about that. When I, when I plan the office sessions for my players for the next season, that how I'm actually approaching these things that I really, really think about that. It's, you know, that these kind of things are important, but at the same time, what, what does it help you if the player is really strong, can do, 65 push-ups as under, under 15 players but then it's not able to tip the puck in front of the net 
So I think that's that's a very interesting example, and especially what you just mentioned above the. Um, I apologize already when my pronunciation will be awful. Di diaphragmatic breathing. <laughs> yep. No, it was good. Uh, okay. Good. Okay. Good. Um, that's. I think that the role of mindfulness in life. It doesn't matter if you're a player or a coach. Is such one of the most important things what we have nowadays because there are so many, so many distractions uh, around what you're actually doing around your playing. Um, the entire life and really just taking the time and just shutting down the mind is um, is such so crucial because you really you really need to just you really learn to be present in the moment and it really helps you in so many situations when you have to solve problems when you have to really think about how you communicate now with that player and I think it's just it's just really good how you implement it into your coaching and in your answer you mentioned something what what uh, actually what sparked my curiosity, you mentioned that you care a lot about body mechanics. And uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you teach that from, from, a, from a language perspective? I don't know how familiar you are with the, with the book from Nick Winkleman, The Language of Coaching and External Cueing. I'm, I'm just curious that from, from, a, from, a, from a teaching perspective, how do you actually teach your players or athletes, clients, whatever body mechanics? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um... External cueing is massive. You know, I, I have people come to me and I learned this uh, my first year, but right before I, I got certified and then right, I went to school for exercise science, but then I got certified um, and I was going to start my company. So I was taking my girlfriend at the time and my mom and I was practicing with them, training them. And we kept getting into arguments because I knew what I wanted to say, but they didn't know. I mean, I said, do this, do this. And I was using scientific terms. I don't know what that is. I don't know what a femur is. I don't know what this is. I don't know what, the, you know, and uh, saying things that they just didn't know because they didn't have the background. And um, my girlfriend at the time said something to me that stuck with me forever. She said, that's not what you're saying. It's how I'm perceiving it that matters. It literally does not matter for this training session, what you know, what you're telling me. If I'm not understanding it, then I'm not doing it correctly. And that's your fault. And that struck a chord with me big time. And so I stopped you. And then obviously my, my role model who I look up to the most in all of strength training, who I think is the best hockey trainer in the world or one of Mike Boyle. Um, you know, it's not what, you know, it's, not, it's what others know and don't use big words because nobody else knows them other than us nerds. So don't use them. And as soon as I started saying funny things, like when I, when I'm, uh, when I'm coaching a plank and I want them to engage your glutes, I'll say, pretend there's a pencil between your butt cheeks and break the pencil. And the, the moms, dads, pros, adults, kids, everyone laughs at that. But guess what? They remember how to turn their glutes on in a plank for the next set. And so external cueing using things like that has helped immensely. Like that, Everyone laughs at the things I say dead bug. All right. Pretend there's a colony of ants trying to run under your lower back, slam your back in the ground. Don't let those ants run under your back. And then they're like, Oh, oh, now I get it. You know, but if I say, get your pelvis into a neutral position and do the, they don't know what I'm saying. Right. So external cueing is massively important. And like I said, losing your ego as a coach, doesn't matter how much, you know, you have to find a way to say something to make sense to your clients. Something, something else that I was actually taught, telling another trainer who was shadowing me last week, um, you know, because of Instagram, I don't love doing Instagram, but I've found that I can help a lot of people. I can put out tons of free info, stuff like that, grow my personal business, my brand. 
I never filmed myself working out when I was younger. I mean, we didn't even have the capability with phones, but as soon as I started putting stuff on Instagram, I'll watch it and I'll go, Oh, Hey, I can get better there. I can retract my chin more. So my cervical spine's more neutral. So another thing I've been using in the gym now, cause I saw it working for myself is if a guy's doing something completely wrong and he's not understanding how I'm trying to coach him, I'll quickly film him. And then right away, go here, look at your foot. This is what I'm talking about. And then they're like, Oh, now I, you know what I mean? So using a phone has helped big time as well. If there's somebody who's not understanding your coaching cues or what you're looking for, or things like that. Well, I just, um, uh, right before we went into break and then lockdown in our studies, I, I gave a, a physical, one of our physical clinics on external versus internal cueing. And I'm realizing now how how little I scratch the surface on that and how creative you can get with the, the ant example there. I was chuckling, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And I think it's a, a good transition into something else I wanted to ask you about is, is just the, the type of environment that you want to create in your gym for your athletes. So, you know, obviously it, it's, um, you know, we, we've talked about the, the feedback a little bit now with the external queuing and the video, but can you just describe overall the, the feeling that you want your athletes to have when they're in your gym working out with you? Yeah. I mean, culture is everything. And, uh, th this is something that luckily I was, uh, I was a captain my whole life on every team. I, I just, I've always liked leading because selfishly it's pushed me to be better. I knew that if I'm going to demand something of a teammate or somebody working out with me or whatever, if I'm going to demand something from them, then I better be on my shit. I better be doing it myself. Um, and then I just like helping people get better and pushing them. So uh, the culture in my gym is, is everything to me. I have told guys that they're not allowed to train with me anymore. Um, you know, like I had a guy for like two years and he just, as he got older, he got into more like the party lifestyle and stuff like that. And it doesn't mean I don't like you. This doesn't mean I won't be there for you if you ever need anything from me, but this isn't what I'm looking for. I am only looking for the most dedicated guys because that's all I want to work with is the most dedicated guys who are going to do everything they can, leave nothing on the table to reach their full potential. And for me, that's the exact standard that I expect in my gym all day, every day. And we have fun. Don't get me wrong. I think fun is part of that. Um, but I want everyone, first and foremost, wanting that for themselves. That's, that's the standard. And then on top of that, I want everyone pushing the guy next to them, whether you guys are going to play against each other during the season in the NHL, the AHL college, I don't care in the summer, you're all teammates. Everyone's making everyone better. Everyone's trying to get that guy to lift a little more weight or run a little bit faster or do this or do that. The goal is to make everyone better, which will make yourself better. Um, so that is extremely important in my gym. It's probably the number one, most important thing in my gym for me is culture uh, how they carry themselves and the goals and their why I have it written in my gym. What is your why? And if somebody comes in and they're having a bad day, which is going to happen, it's, it's going to happen to us all, you know, their, their life has got them down school, whatever. I, mean, I just point to the wall, read it, read it right now, 10 times, read it, think about it. What is your why? Why are you here? Why are you about to do this? These lunges you don't want to do right now, right? Why? Okay. Think about your goals and now let's fucking do it. You know, and so that's that's a big a big thing in the gym. Yeah, especially that thinking about Shivai and I'm I'm really I've been mentioning it several times on our podcast, and I cannot mentioning often enough that one of my really I really love the book that from Simon Sinek, Start with Why, because it just um, describes so well why it's so important to have a why, um, and really having having the purpose and 
also when you work with the athletes, even even with the younger the younger players, even even nowadays the kids they really ask and come to you and ask that hey why are we doing this? What what does it help me? So what is the purpose of this activity? And I think it's like just so crucial that we kept the opportunity to provide provide them with the answer. And you just from your perspective that so you have been involved for hockey quite long. You said that your athletic ability was always one of your biggest strengths. That for you that now you know now you described that the number one thing for you in the gym is the culture. But what what is your why behind behind it? What is your motivation behind running your gym and working with all these clients? Obviously you mentioned already that helping them to become better, but what else? Um so for me, like I, I, I started playing hockey or when I started playing AAA, I played like two or three shifts a period um, in seventh grade, like literally or a game, a game. Sorry, not a period, a game, two or three shifts a game. I was barely playing. I was like the 12 forward. And I went to my parents and I was super upset. And thank God I, I had parents that were like, well, you, you want it, like do something. Hey, go talk to the coach yourself. We aren't talking to them for you or work harder. You got to find a way. And my dad's only advice he ever gave me my entire hockey career, hard work, patience, and more hard work. So I went to the rink that summer. I was going into eighth grade. Uh, luckily my mom worked at the rink for a junior team. So I got on the ice for free. I'd skate like three, four hours a day. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was just there and it was better than nothing. And I got way better. And so me putting that time the next year, I went from like fourth line, last guy on the team to like second line. And unbelievable, like completely different person and player confidence in life skyrocketed because I, I put in the work confidence in hockey skyrocket every year from then on, it just got more and more dialed into me doing things to make me myself a better hockey player. And I just saw the benefits of it. It was great. It was unbelievable. I completely, I, I easily could have been a guy who stopped playing hockey after his freshman year of high school easily with how good I was then. And every year, if I wouldn't have started that, that work ethic and ability to push myself in seventh grade. So number one, I want to show every guy out there that it does, you know, and I'm talking about like players who are already good. How can we get to that next level? You're at 90. How can I get you to 91 and next year to 92 and 93? So I want to show them like you put in the work, you will reap the benefits. You put in the work, you gain confidence, hockey, sports, life, the most successful people all have the most confidence or they're really good at faking it. Right. So like, you know, you putting in work into yourself builds immediate confidence in yourself, which will translate to the ice immediately on top of the strong, you know, being stronger, faster, more powerful, yada, yada, yada balance. Um, and the other thing too, is when I was growing up in St. Louis, I didn't really have any role models because back then St. Louis wasn't great at hockey. We didn't have a bunch of guys coming up and going to play juniors, going to division one, playing in the NHL, signing it. We didn't have any guys like that. There was one guy who came back. He came back a couple of times. I always remembered him. Um, I looked up to him. I thought it was so cool. We had a D one hockey player that came back like three or four times. And now he's a coach in the AHL. He'll be a coach in the NHL really soon. Um, and, uh, I thought he was so cool. So I started coming back when I was in juniors teaching the, the kids and midgets, Hey, this is what I'm learning this year. Get good at this and you'll be good or better for next year. And I fed off that. I love helping people get better. It, it makes me so happy that I helped somebody do something better or sooner than they would have if I wasn't there. And I just know that if I had me, when I started training and playing serious hockey in seventh, eighth grade, like I would have been a billion times better. It would have been crazy. I would have done everything I say to these kids and I would have just, I would have it, like, wow, it would have been gross. 
So I'm just like, man, I wish I could go back in time and somebody could be me to my younger self. And I want to be that for, for other guys. And when I see guys succeed or have a better year or, you know, they come off a bad year, they've never trained with me. They come and train with me and then they have the best year they've ever had. Like for me, it's not because of me, but I did have a tiny part in it. And that, that makes me extremely happy that I was able to help someone level up. Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point. And, and, and something you said right there at the beginning got me, got me curious to, to ask you this, but you, you mentioned that your, your parents made you go and ask your coach yourself, you know, hey, what can I do to, to get better? And what can I do to, to move up on the lines? And I'm curious now, like, do you, do you ever consider um, or do you uh, have any thoughts behind like how the, the work in the gym and, and, you know, we always talk about how hockey teaches, you know, important life skills, like, how do you see that being from like the strength and uh, strength and conditioning side of things? Like what kind of life skills do you think that working out in the gym and being motivated all and everything them. like that, all of them, <laughs> all of them. It's, 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 and I, I preach this on my Instagram. I speak to athletes mainly in the off season when all my guys are in there so I can show everyone what we're doing on each day. But during the hockey season, when most of the guys are gone, like I'm talking to the general population on my Instagram, literally like so many people are mentally weak in this world. So many like, and it's crazy. And you don't really, I don't, I never knew that because I was only around athletes. I was only around dedicated people who were a hundred percent fixated on a goal and were going to stop at nothing until they got there. And what I real, and what I learned was that not only did that help me reach my goal, but also all the lessons I learned along the way of living a dedicated life are, are the reasons I'm successful outside of hockey, outside of the gym now, because of all those lessons I learned on the rink and in the gym, you learn how to push yourself. You learn how to be consistent. You learn how to be on time. You, you, you know, you learn when you're having a bad day. Okay. That doesn't mean you just, sorry, it doesn't mean you just throw the day away. You find a way to alternate your plan and work with the energy that's in your tank that day. You're still getting better, right? You just might need to, you know, take a, a little bit lighter day, but you don't just take a shit and do nothing, right? You know, um, like there's so many reasons. And, and then the other one too, like I already uh, alluded to is confidence. Putting work into the gym or into yourself in whatever it is. Be a singer, you practice singing, you get a singing coach. It's basically the same thing as an athlete. You go to the gym, you practice, whatever. Um, by putting work into your own self, you immediately build equity and confidence in yourself. There is nothing I have ever found that has given me or anyone I know more confidence than a hard workout. Like it's it just, you think you can't do it. You know, maybe you didn't want to do it, whatever. You, you went from 10 pounds. You visually see that now this week you're lifting 20. So you immediately see, you see those results, you see the progress, which builds confidence in yourself, which translates to the rest of your life. There's so many reasons why I love the gym. Um, obviously also health, you know, positive thing outcomes, but like it's, it's massively important. I wish everyone in the world used the gym the way that I do. <laughs> everyone would be happier. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree about it. Just the, the point you just made here about, confidence I just if I reflect about my playing time probably if I would have had more confidence and more belief actually that I can develop and would have listened a bit more to myself and would have like really had the confidence I, I had I had certain work ethic but the confidence was was not was not there always so I think then it would have been a totally different different story obviously I'm still 
still very young, but the things you, what you just mentioned also in your, in one of your answers that, that some of the things I'm preaching to my players, I would preach this to my, to myself also. And I think I would, would have probably approached the training differently. I would have approached my coaches differently and I would have approached uh, my, my playing differently. So I think it's just so crucial. And, and also about the life skills, what you just mentioned that here in, in, in Finland, there's, there's, it's the, the most important thing, what, what we consider here, it's also the theme of our show that, first of all, that you gotta, you gotta develop the human, then the athlete, and then the player. That's the, that's the thing what we speak the most about here. Every, every presentation you're going, you're going to here in Finland, 100% you're going to listen to that and come uh, in, uh, in connection with athlete-centered coaching and autonomy supportive coaching, 100%, I'm pretty sure. But my, my question for you is that now you, we have the opportunity to work with some pretty good athletes. Um, what does it mean for you to be a really athlete on a higher level, on a professional athlete? What does it mean for you, to you, everything around life? Um, I mean, first, you can't be injured. Like, everyone, so many people forget that. Like, if you're going to get paid money, you got to play. No one wants to pay an athlete who's hurt half the season every season or hurt a season, plays a season, hurt it. Like, so number one, you can't get injured. Like, and that needs to be number one. You, no one will give you money if you're not playing. So injury resistant, um, a good mindset, you know, like that isn't even in the gym. Like focusing on your mindset, have a good game, learn from it, have a bad game, learn from it. Don't get upset. Immediately learn from it, change it write things down, journal. How did you feel today? Why did you feel this way? What did you do well in the game? What didn't you do well in the game? What do you need to work on in practice this week after? Because you couldn't do it in the game and now you bring it over. Best hockey players in the world are doing that subconsciously or now more and more guys are doing it consciously. Um, and then athleticism above all else, no doubt, athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. And then, um, I would say coordination goes in. I mean, athleticism is an all-encompassing term, so I guess we'll take out, unpack that also. I would say coordination, um, power, strength, speed, mobility, all kind of go into that. Stability goes in, you know, that as well. But, uh, yeah, and, and then and then just dedication to doing the little things and the things that no one else wants to do. Like, that's so important. Everyone thinks – Oh, well, you know, you're just going to go to the rink and, and do breakaways for an hour. What? Yeah. Hey, that's not going to make a pro better. Like he's already good at breakaways. Like he needs to work on picking pucks up off the wall, third line winger, fourth line winger, pick a puck up off the wall, do a hundred rims. That's not fun. That's not sexy. That's your job. And you got to be good at it. And if you want to continue to make a million dollars a year and even more than that, you got to keep doing it. You got to work on it. You got to work on the stuff no one else wants to work on. And it's a lot about habits. Pro, athlete, pro athletics is very habitual. You do a lot of the same things over and over and over. And everyone thinks it's just like some sexy life. Like, no, you're doing the same drills over and over. You're doing in season, you're doing the same workout a lot because then you know exactly how you feel. Like if you're, if you're too um, switching the, the workouts up too much in season, there might be some unpredictability there. Now you don't know how you're going to feel from a new workout and you're going into your third game in 10 days. Well, it's like in season for my pros, I want their workouts to be very similar. One push, one pull, one vertical, one horizontal, one this, one that, one lower body, you know, like one hinge, one, one score 
plot, whatever it is, but almost the same all season. So they know exactly how they're going to feel. There's no, there's nothing that they're like, Oh my God, I didn't know my ass was going to be this sore. I can't skate tonight because we did too many hip thrusts. You know what I mean? Uh, God, we hadn't benched in a while. Now you threw in a heavy bench. My chest is sore. I couldn't shoot tonight. That's on me. That's my fault. Like, so there's, there's that kind of, you got to be willing to do habitual things that might be boring over and over and over and over again so that you can do the sexy things come game time. Well, I think that's um, a, an interesting piece there for sure. Cause I think you're, you're exactly right. Like you don't really, from, from an outside perspective, you don't see that, that kind of habitual lifestyle and doing the same thing over and over again. It, it can seem um, very daunting. So you kind of have to have that right mindset. Um, I want to, I want to switch gears here a little bit and, and you're the, the fourth podcaster we've had on and, and um, first, first podcaster, I think from the more of the strength and conditioning side, I know you're out, part of the hockey thing, thing, of course, but we always ask this and, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer as well. Like what, what has just been your favorite parts of doing the podcast and what has kind of been like the, the main thing that you've learned that you've kind of implemented into your coaching? Um. I mean, I mean, honestly, the favorite thing is just like a personal thing for me is that I get to talk to my cousin uh, twice a week, once, twice a week. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty close. We don't get to see each other a lot, but this has allowed us to get even closer and do some cool things uh, for the hockey world, for ourselves, for business wise, all, all things like that. Um, but, you know, making connections with so many different high level people in the hockey world has been really cool. Um, you know, that's been really fun, you know, guys will message me. I played with, Hey, so-and-so wants to come on the podcast or, um, you know, somebody listening will say, Hey, you know, my son's coach is so-and-so like he said, he'd love to come on the podcast. And so we'll call that guy. And then we're talking to that guy and then we're buddies with him. And then we go to the city that they're in, maybe we meet up with them, you know? So the connections has been a really cool thing, part of it too. And then, uh, man, I just learned so much. I learned something new on every single podcast. Uh, it's the easiest, most, fun way for me to gain intelligence and insight and perspective. Uh, you know, I don't love reading books. Um, so this is a way more fun for me to get, you know, access to some of the smartest hockey minds, training minds in the world. So uh, I feel pretty lucky in that regard. Well, that's also like a huge motivation for us and for me as well, that what you just mentioned that actually you have the opportunity to speak to a lot of smart people and, uh, to a lot of people, well, actually, I don't like the word smart so often uh, to use, but with a lot of people who have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge about the game and who really, he will, and some, some, some of the stories also about your podcast, they are, they are very interesting because they are very motivating because it, those are people who really work their way up. For example, if I think about, I, I was listening during the summer to the episode with, if I, if I remember his name correctly, Trevor Parks was playing now with the Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's like an insane story. And like you know, you know, you sit in that car and you listen to this and you get goosebumps and you're like, well, that's that's it's possible, you know, everything yeah. is possible. And like really connecting with these people is like a such such a such a huge motivation. And I think, um, well, I well, we said it to Tofa already a few times, but it's. It's it's uh, you guys definitely do a do a great job there, and uh, I really like listening to the to the conversations. But um, anyway, moving moving forward with with this one. Um, so this we always ask these questions at the at the end of our conversation. So what is your what is your final message um, to the listeners out there um, regarding our conversation today? 
Well, I would just say, um, you know, and this is, this is, uh, I have this tattooed on me. I have it in massive letters on my walls in the gym. I have a clothing line that, that this name, like give more, be more. Like the more you give to something, the more you'll be in whatever it is. If you want to be a good hockey player, give more to your hockey, give more to studying the game, give more to your training, give more to listening to your coaches, give more to all those things. And you will be more, you will be a better hockey player. If you give more, you want to be a strength coach, listen to strength coach podcast, follow the best strength coaches in the world, Mike Boyle, Vernon Griffith, Charles Poliquin, like whoever your style of training that you want to emulate or that you like and want to kind of learn it and then make it your own. Give more to those, that time, that study time, get experience, shadow people. You'll be a better trainer if you do that than if you didn't do anything, right? So like I try and just live by, by GMBM, give more, be more, whatever it is. And then, and then it goes to being a good person. Like I, I, I have never said no to a podcast. I've been on some massive podcasts that are run by NHL writers. And I've been on some podcasts where I wonder if I was the only person who listened after. I don't care. Uh, I'm trying to give more, you know, if, if you guys learn something or if your listeners learn something, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, that makes me feel good. So the more I give, you know, I just think that selfishly, that'll probably wind up, you know, having more people buy my online programs or, uh, look me up and want to train with me or have people want to come work for me. And I have people listen to podcasts that are now saying they'll move to St. Louis and want to want to work under me as a trainer for me, you know? So it's like, I just by me doing a free podcast, you know? So um, just an example of my own, but like the more you give, the better you'll be at whatever you're, whatever you want to be at. So GMBM. Well, great final message there, Jeff. And, and, you know, just thank you very much for your time today and, and um, best of luck with, everything with the podcast and the training and everything like that. We'll, we'll link the, the app that you have and everything um, like that in the show notes as well. So people can go check that out, but thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's been a blast. I uh, learned a lot and yeah, just, just thanks and have a good day. Awesome boys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So one more time, big thanks to Jeff Lovecchio for taking the time and joining our show. It was definitely a blast talking to him. And as I said already, introduction, I felt very motivated about the conversation and about the content he has been providing us here today. And if anyone feels the same way and um, like the content Jeff has provided here today in our conversation and would like to find more about the way how he trains athletes, um, please feel free to contact him uh, via Instagram, send him a message. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he will, he will connect with you as well. So um, everyone who feels this way and would like to find uh, more about that, please, please contact Jeff. Uh, you will find his Instagram handle below in the show notes. And um, my first, the first thing I would like to talk with you here today about Derek is that actually it was already, I think a little bit, um, a little bit uh, down in the conversation we talked a bit already and um, I want to start talking about actually that the things that we have been speaking also sometimes already a bit about the show are these things that uh, the external cues that they are so relevant and that he really applies these in his coaching and um, the the reason why I want to touch on this because as he as Jeff mentioned as well that you really need to find the way um, to say something that makes sense to the players and we also need to think about the 
learning process about the players because there have been plenty of studies actually if you if you cue your athletes externally um, they they're going to develop they're going to understand and execute the movements much more efficiently and at the same time they're going to execute the movements much quicker with a better quality I know it's it's not it's not very easy to apply that language um, it takes a lot of time but I think if you really practice it consciously then uh, it's going to be worth it at some point yeah and, and the other thing too is like the the athletes have to learn how to take that language and, and use that language and and there's a, a difference between you know being being cued externally and being told explicitly what to do with instruction and I think that um, it's it's definitely worth looking into further and, and exploring further if, if it's a new topic to you. But I wanna I wanna mention that as well because I think that's a, a really important um, piece that you said there. And I want to draw everyone's attention to to one quote uh, one quote there that he 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 was talking about how as a coach you need to kind of lose your lose your ego a little bit and and make sure that your athletes understand what you're saying. And I remember. So many times, you know, in school or in in my own time as a player, like just so many times that I was the problem when I didn't understand. Right. It was my fault. Or I feel like so many coaches um, kind of blame their athletes when they don't understand something. But it's, it's not really on them. Right. You have to find a way to make sure that they understand you have to use language that's understandable to them or a method that's understandable to them and and every individual is different right one kid might pick it up right away when you say something very explicit one kid may need to see it one may kid, one kid may need you to draw it up but it, it, it you need to put your ego aside and realize that when a kid doesn't understand it's just they learn and you can you can dive deeper into that with them and, and everything like that so I think that was a, a really good piece that he highlight, highlighted there that you know it's not just it's not the kid's fault when they don't understand sometimes you need to switch up how you're how you're talking with them and everything like that but then i i think the the other piece that that ties into that that i wanted to talk about here in the reflection is is just the environment that he wants to create in his gym um and i think that the the feedback is, is part of that for sure but then the when we asked him that his his he got really excited i think because i think he 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 cares a lot about the environment that is in his gym and the culture as he put it but he wants to he wants to work with people that want it for themselves, you know, and, and, and want to want to not just push themselves, but push the guy next to them. And he's he was talking about even at, even with the elite players he he works with, even if they're gonna compete during the season, he wants those guys to to push each other each other to be better in the offseason and everything like that. I think that was a it was really fun to hear him describe the environment that he wants in his gym. And also what I enjoyed so much about that piece because he really highlights that as well so often in the hockey think tank podcast when he's when he's talk when he's um doing these with his with his cousin Tofa, who we had also on our show that the culture is such so an elementary piece for him. And also the way how he actually highlights that is the with the example he provided us is that actually he was he had one client he was training him for two years if I remember right but after two years he said okay now we're going separate ways because the way how you train and how you behave as an athlete does not align with the goals I have um, with helping athletes and 
I think from that perspective, he just felt that the time he puts into people is too valuable and he can put this put this time into people who really want to develop, who want to push themselves and who want to push each other. And also what I what I enjoy so much about actually, I think he he really got excited speaking about this piece and also the other thing what how it shows is that is that actually that he has been written in his gym that you always need to have your why and the other example he brought up that if someone has a bad day and comes to the gym he always points fingers at the wall and say hey here's your why i know you have a bad day but you know exactly why are you so get your things together start training and then you're going to have the progress and it's going to be beneficial for your overall development and i really need to say i think that of course, we have been speaking, we, we spoke about variability and training, and I enjoyed that part of the conversation also quite much. But I think my the part which I have been enjoying the most today is when we actually spoke about uh, what makes an elite athlete. And I think the things he has been highlighting are such so crucial to reflect on one more time because he said that first of all, you need to have the mindset. And I think, um, I think that's also a big reason why our first episode when we released the podcast was about the growth mindset because the uh, mindset is everything. You really need to start there. Then you need to have um, athleticism or you need to have the will to develop athleticism. And that includes so many things. And Jeff has been providing us today with so many examples what athleticism is and how do we develop it. And the... <laughs> The thing what got me most excited maybe is that actually that pro-athleticism is all about habits and that you do habitual things. You do the boring things maybe over and over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, if you create these habits, it's going to be beneficial for your development and for your game, regardless of the sport you play or you compete in. Yeah, for sure. I enjoyed that that part of the conversation as well. And I think you're, you're forgetting one important thing that he, he mentioned there at the beginning. He said the, the number one thing there is the, the injury resistance, right? And that's yeah. a bit luck, but also a bit training in the right way for, um, as he put it, prehab. And I, I think that's uh, something that's, that's really important. And, you know, I, I think you talked about those good habits. Uh, he, he spoke about this a little bit when he, when he described kind of his typical training day. Uh, for an athlete and I, I like that everyone ends with some some breathing exercises you know turn the lights off and, and meditate because we we talk about that a little bit in, in school this idea of mindfulness and, and and meditation and everything like that and how that can help with recovery and um everything like that but it i think that that also helps with that those good habits you know that you were mentioning and it, it's a good habit to build to kind of just you know take a second there and, and think about or think about nothing even, or however um, you meditate. But it's 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 something that's really interesting, and you can tell that he spends a lot of time working with athletes to build those habits, and, and that's something he puts a lot of thought into it. So it was it was fun to hear him talk about that. I think the the last thing for me is is just his his final message there of of give more, be more. First of all, it's a very simple quote. I, I really like the the conciseness of it, but you know, it, it, it got me thinking about something he had mentioned earlier in the episode before we asked him for his final message about the, the life skills, right? And just putting putting more work into yourself, um, wherever you are, if you're a, you know, if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, if you're a lawyer, if you're a whatever, right? Putting more into yourself will 
will just build more um, confidence in yourself, right? And then give you more confidence and more, a little bit more pep in your step. And I think that's, that's a, a, a good message, right? And, and, and just giving more to yourself or giving more to whatever you're doing and you'll get to, to be a little bit more. So I really enjoyed that final message from, from Jeff today. Yeah, and I think he really lifts that up. Um, as, as we said several times, uh, he also shows it in our conversation today and the way how he trains his athlete. I think he really lifts that up. And the one thing what we actually forgot to speak maybe a bit about and the thing what I actually already wanted to mention in the intro is that it's very thought-provoking to think about that he he played on the professional level because due to, to due to his athleticism and um, that's for such a long time and he in our conversation he also mentioned he had several discussion uh, concussions um, that was the reason why he had to stop but it just highlights one more time I mean he played in Norway he played in Asia I think he also played in Austria in the Abel so he really had a he really had a good career in Europe over here he played in the Abel as well for in, in for Hungary I cannot pronounce I know the team but I cannot pronounce that he played for a Hungary team hung, team in Hungary there as well and um, it just shows that how crucial that athleticism is that you actually can make your career your athletic career and your playing career you can make it last much longer if you hit the up the necessary development areas of your body and if you really train your body consistently even even though if it's off season but then there's something 100 what you need to do to get your body and your mind ready for the upcoming season most likely um i'm i'm talking now directly about when the season is done most likely you're not going to train very heavy but maybe you do some recovery stuff in the gym so i think it just i just wanted to bring that piece one more time up because it he is such a such a great example of how far you can come if you train your body consistently and that's why we say all the time that first you gotta educate the human then the athlete and then the player i think he he's a really good example for that yeah i would agree and and um it was a a lot of fun to talk with jeff today but i think that's a a good place to wrap it up so make sure you you, you connect with him on instagram again his his Handle will be down in the show notes. So make sure you reach out to him with any questions about how he does things and check out the show on social media as well at the coaches road. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Other than that, have a good week and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.